today is MLK Day, and by the time you listen to this, it may be the day after or the day after that, but I am so fortunate to be able to record a podcast on Martin Luther King Day, y'all. I'm so excited that as a country, I feel like we are starting to recognize this day more. Um, I want to actually dive into my biracial or interracial relationship journey um, and dealing with race in this society back in when I say back in the 90s, y'all, this sounds so old. It was like it was 99. So we was hitting 2000 shortly after. But I want to kind of be a, a little bit, you know, candid on the things that I encountered and what it looks like today, 20 years later, uh, where I've been married 13 years. So let's talk about MLK Day and let's talk about my biracial relationship. Let's go. Everything God gave you. You can do it. Bro, let's go. I know you're better than this. Be everything God made you to be. Don't quit. So again, today is MLK Day and it is a big day. I feel like growing up, MLK Day was all about the Martin Luther King Day Parade. It was all about uh, recognizing him as a person. Um, And it was all about celebrating the black community. I have been in Martin Luther King Day parades, whether I was playing the clarinet. Yes, as a child, I played the clarinet. Or if I was a majorette marching in the parade or even as a pageant, um, a pageant winner. So I've been in it in multiple different capacities. And it is just such a big day, definitely for the black community. This year... Um, Martin Luther King Day looked different, you know, now, um, I'm seeing so much about it on social media and everything. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to do anything really big for it this year on the day, but yesterday I just love my church because we had a diversity, really community panel, a conversation about diversity, but also how faith plays a role in that. How do we have actionable steps towards being one and leading in the charge um, in unifying people that don't look the same, sound the same, come from the same place? What does that actually look like? Because we want to actually put feet to our faith, put feet to our prayers and everything else. So I just love the conversation that we had yesterday. If you want to hear that conversation, you can go to the Faith, the number four life podcast, and you can hear a conversation that will definitely stir you up. It will definitely help you to understand um, various communities will also help you to feel like uh, there is folks who care about seeing justices, injustices corrected and seeing people heard and seen. Right. So I love my church. But today on MLK Day, I want to kind of share one of the biggest moments I've had on any MLK Day in my life. And that was the year that I finished college and I joined AmeriCorps, which is similar to Peace Corps. But AmeriCorps is where uh, you're in this like stipend program by the government to impact inner city schools through after school programs and tutoring. And I was planted in Atlanta through this program. Well, when MLK rolled around, the program starts in August, MLK, you know, day rolls around in January. We were, 
you know, there's no school. So they assigned all of us to go down in Atlanta, downtown and go to Ebenezer Baptist Church, the church where MLK spoke and go to all of these forums and events and all of these things in that area. So it was a big moment for me because I hadn't had a chance since I was a very young person to participate in something this great. And when I mean great, I mean you have prominent leaders in the African-American community in the same room with you. Y'all, I was sitting in Ebenezer Baptist Church. It got so packed in this church, they moved all of us AmeriCorps people into the choir stand, which is located behind like the platform because it's, you know, Ebenezer Baptist Church, old school looking church, you know? So the choir stands in there, you know, wooden pews, at least at the time, at this time. Guess who comes in the room? It was a big moment. Coretta Scott King. Y'all, Martin Luther King Jr.'s wife comes in the room. She sits on the platform. She is a couple of feet in front of me. Y'all, I'm just staring at her. <laughs> Here I am with my 21, 22-year-old self hearing these conversations, hearing the heart cries of my people, hearing her speak seeing her turn around to us and say thank you for your contribution in black communities it was a grand moment and afterward I heard her daughter speak Bernice King and um just some great singing and different things it was just a lot of different things that happened that day but I want to say that a moment like that you just don't forget like you don't forget seeing people who sacrifice so much for you to get where you are, be who you are, and you get a chance to say thank you. You know, I didn't get a chance to say it to her face, but doing the work that I was doing then, the work that I do now, um, and mentoring and um, helping others is as a result of what happened before I got here. I recognize that I don't take it for granted. Now, with that being said, I recognize that I have a white husband. I do. And I love him to pieces. But I have definitely encountered some challenges uh, through the years when it came to how people received me or us or him. So we're going to dive into that now. But before I do, happy MLK day slash week. So I started college in 1999. I was 17 years old and I met my best friend who you guys have heard on earlier episodes of this podcast. And guys, I'm just living my life. I am one year removed from inner city Memphis, Tennessee. Um, still, you know, a little bit street. I know <laughs> I don't sound like it as much now. Time has gone on. I've lived in so many different places at, at this point today. But then I am still a little bit of just a passionate attitude field street girl is just is just who I was. And so I came into college just excited to not be living in my house anymore. I'm like, look, I don't want to be anywhere near 
the trauma I had experienced. I didn't want anything to remind me of it, y'all. I was running and college was one of the ways that I did that. Wasn't able to run very long um, before God arrested my heart and my, I got myself together. So, but I did meet this guy and this guy um, was somebody I never thought I would ever have married. And that is my current husband, my white husband. Y'all go, growing up and when I first came to school, I had always dated black guys. Like, but that's definitely all I was around, but that's who I dated. That's who I was attracted to. And then, um, really how we met, I, this ain't the episode. I think I'd have to have him on an episode to like really talk through the details of us, uh, dating because we have two different sides of the story on how we met. But I can say that once we started dating, it was not a great relationship. It was so codependent. We were so just jacked up individually. So it made for a rough uh, dating life. Eventually we get married, we get engaged somehow my junior or senior year after just crazy two years of off and on. And then we call it off a couple months after that. He moves back to Atlanta, which is where he's from. I apply for an AmeriCorps program, which which I talked about earlier in this episode, which placed me in Atlanta. It's a national program and it placed me in Atlanta. We end up going to the same church and this church is predominantly black. And eventually we are placed together as leaders. Um, and then it took a while after that because we were dating other people where he approached me about actually us dating each other. And then the rest is history. History. So in our church family, no issues with me being with him because he was known by the church. He was a person that they knew his heart, right? There was no misunderstanding about who, who my husband was at our church. Outside of our church, when we go to the mall, go to restaurants. And at this point, you know, it's 2004 and five, you still get looks, you know, I'm getting, I go into a restaurant. If he walks in first and he says two, if a white person walks up next to me, they turn to her and say, ma'am, right this way. And then he's like, oh, it's, it's, she's my wife. <laughs> you know, once we eventually get married, he, she's my wife. And um, here's the brown girl. And then you see the reaction of like, oh, my goodness. Right. Or I'm in a retail line and he's standing next to me. And then they say, ma'am, come on up. And then the next cashier points to my husband and says, you can come up up here. And he's like, oh, I'm with her. So this has been this has been a part of it. Our whole relationship where people assume we are apart, that we are not together. That's not honestly tough for me to deal with honestly don't embarrass very easily we're used to it he had dated other women of color before so he knew what he was getting into I didn't know what I was getting into to be a hundred percent real the hardest audience I was terrified I'll go back I was terrified to walk into a certain space with my husband if I had to pick any space it was it was going to be with my family not my mom and brothers, my aunties, cousins, uncles, grandma. 
y'all my grandma I was like I do not want to break her heart and I say that because you know my grandma picked cotton my grandma had been through segregation my grandma been through all this stuff and is in Mississippi and that is where my mom was born and raised um I'm from Memphis which is just 30 40 minutes away so we would go to my grandma's house like I'm this I am very much familiar with this culture and I'm like I don't know what's gonna happen well the first time I actually brought my husband into this space I was 18 or 19 years old so we were still fresh and dating and it was family reunion so for us family reunion where my grandmother has what 10 9 or 10 other siblings I think nine I think it's 10 of them she herself has 12 children my mom is one of these six girls six boys six girls my mom's one of them when we have family reunions it's all of us like my grandmother and her siblings all their kids all their grandkids like we roll we take over a whole park and there's this park in mississippi called waldoxy that we will go to every summer and people would rent cabins for a couple of days over a weekend and one of the cabins would get chosen as like this is the cabin we do in the fish fry so on friday night of family reunion is fish fry night well that's the day that i drove in town my first time coming into town without my parents i don't live at home anymore and my boyfriend drove me in well my immediate cousin she knew like my two closest cousins knew she's bringing her boyfriend and they knew he was white okay and we're about to walk into the fish fry cabin now the fish fry cabin for that night is overflowing with at least 40 people I, and it's not big y'all it's not big it's not big this cabin is not the size it doesn't have separate rooms in it you walk in you're touching the bed okay couple feet there's the other bed there's a table overflowing with people everybody sitting all over the beds on the floor you know just hanging out talking I walk in with my white boyfriend immediately the room that was loud and you can hear people outside of the cabin we're about to go in and I don't know what I can expect we open the door he comes in and sits in a chair by the door. The room is immediately quiet. When I say quiet, I mean it goes from da 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 da, -da all this noise to pin dropping. Silence. He is beat red. I mean, he done turned all kind of shades of red. I sit across from him, squeeze on the bed in between my cousins, like for safety. <laughs> and then out of nowhere, my uncle, because in this type of vibe, a young person don't speak. There's a hierarchy in my family. And I think this is cultural in a lot of ways, definitely in the South, but there's a hierarchy. The most senior in the room, they're the ones who can speak on certain stuff. So when it gets quiet, you don't know who going to say what. Everybody is just staring at him. My uncle yells out loud, look, it's a white boy. Y'all, the whole cabin erupts in laughter. 
my then boyfriend is like nodding his head like yep i am i sure am i look at him i don't know what to do i'm like with my young self i can't take on this whole room who what i don't know what is happening and honestly the laughter helped break the ice a couple cousins, you know, my couple of my male cousins give him dap over the weekend. You know, one of them had a real talk with him, like, don't break her heart, which was like the sweetest thing. It felt like a big brother move, which made me feel so loved. But y'all, I was like, this was the biggest moment of our relationship, because if if my family could accept him, then nothing, nothing else mattered. Nothing else mattered. And. This was just the beginning. I mean, they didn't know. I didn't know that, you know, now, today, 20 years later, we've been married 13 plus years. Um, and he has been an amazing impact in my family in the love and support that we've been able to provide to our family as God has blessed us. We've been able to bless others and be generous and my grandmother loving him y'all my grandmother had a one-on-one -on -one moment with them and my grandmother and my husband have sat down and had conversations and he just loves um hearing her talk he loves it he'll ask her so what was it like for you he'll ask her questions and she'll use all these cold words because he like what what are you saying because she's she's from the south she's talking how she talks and i just love hearing them talk but my grandma, she was not disappointed in me, not upset. And, um, and I just love that she trusted me. Like she, it was kind of one of those things where I, I'm the responsible kid. I, you know, haven't jacked up anything really, you know, in my life growing up. And she always looked out for me. And so I was in a place where I felt like she was like, okay, if you picked them, I'm gonna trust you. I'm gonna trust you. And then, you know, as years went on, she would still give him like when he would walk in she would still say it was almost like she would look at him in a way was like oh yeah i do have a white person in my family <laughs> and she would give that side smile and she i mean it was just a, the cutest thing but she completely received him um into our family and that just meant the world to me so um i think that was the hardest moment in our relationship. Not even so much from society and everywhere else or us being overlooked. Uh, we've had a couple racial things said to us. One older guy, uh, older white guy said something like under his breath, like at a Walmart. But I don't care about this stuff. I don't know you. Like for me, I, I don't know you. I don't care what you think. Whatever. Um, my family was in life was the toughest crowd because they don't hold their tongue um and it is what it is they will rip you apart <laughs> i love them they're so sweet at moments too but they don't play that um my husband's side of the family completely different in his side of the family i mean it's already diverse from uh vietnamese family member uh family members hawaiian um uh, of course caucasian and then me biracial like his side was already pretty diverse and his mom who marched with martin luther king 
um, was very passionate about and is very passionate about this country having equal rights and she doesn't tolerate racism around her. She's broken up with boyfriends back when she used to date like for over it. She is like the ideal mother. If I had to pick a mother-in-law out of a lineup, she would be the mother-in-law I would choose because of how open-minded she is and compassionate and empathetic she is to the injustices uh, my people have faced. So I love her. Um, and so his side of the family was not a big deal whatsoever. Not a big deal whatsoever. So <laughs> very, very different. Um, but to this day, there's just a, um, I would say a love that I have for my family who opened their hearts to my relationship and to my husband's side, which welcomed me with open arms and still to do to this day. But I know this is not the story for every biracial couple. I've heard of some really bad stories. I was actually watching this couple the other day. Um, I forgot their YouTube handle. This biracial couple or interracial couple. Man, I um I loved I think it's called the Cole family. Meet the Coles. They're in Detroit. So cool. And they have a pretty similar story to my husband and I just in terms of their faith and meeting and you know trying to wait for the right time and kind of really follow their Christian faith in their dating and how they dated um and all of that. But they share some really tragic stories of racism that they have encountered in the last year or two. I mean, it was bad from um, one lady coming up to um, the wife and saying, you are so dark. They're on a work trip like he got a work trip for high sales. So they were in like Cancun or somewhere. And this lady, you know, comes up to him and she's drunk. But she's like, you are you're so dark. You know, do you do you work? sunscreen you're like the lady is really just kind of going in and it was just so heartbreaking to hear someone just feel like they can come up to someone and pick apart their external features like that um i don't care what color somebody is nobody has a right to walk up and not in this country this i don't i did not in this country we won't we'll play that don't don't do that but there is a time and a place to kind of address those things and she didn't want to she didn't really say anything at that moment they handled it in a different way but you can definitely it was like colorism in, in cancun it was something like that so you can definitely search it in youtube um if you want to hear their story just a great couple um but they because there's a way to handle things when you're in the workplace right um, I'm not going to go into all the stuff when it comes to what I think about managing racism and discrimination. Um, definitely I can handle that on another podcast. And I would love to do this conversation with my husband who this is something both of us are active in our community about and very passionate about. Um, but guys, I am just grateful. I guess in wrapping it up, I'm really grateful for um how blessed i've been in not having to um have crazy things happen with my husband and i i will say this in all the years that we drove from georgia to mississippi because he's from atlanta born and raised so we're driving from atlanta no yeah from atlanta you're going through alabama you're going through arkansas no you're going through alabama to get over to Mississippi. When we go to out through Alabama, I don't get out. Mm -mm. Them little rinky dink 
especially if it's at nighttime, rinky dink, gas station, not all of them, but the route we took. And if it's dark outside, I, I'm not, no, we knew, like, we was like, because we don't know where racism is. So we do have certain, like, precautions we take because we don't know what is who think what what is happening so with certain places we like we don't go this place may reject you or reject you we don't so we definitely have a bit of a code in our relationship when we go places even to this day which is unfortunate that we have to do that but we do we are very careful so at this point we have three beautiful kids and um yeah, they kind of give you a little bit of a grace. If somebody ever wanted to hate, sometimes they'll see the little kids and be like, hmm, they're a legit couple. <laughs> yeah, because our oldest is 10. So at this point, you're like, oh, they've been together a long time. Like, you can, you can kind of see it on some people's faces sometimes. Like, yeah, we've been in this, like, before it was a thing. Before it was, you know, I've encountered some people who were like, I just want pretty kids. I need someone of another race. No, ma'am. No, sir. That is not a reason to date or get married. My God, don't do it. Uh, so for me, I knew this was a person I was supposed to be with. Even though he was not a person that like I would have chosen for myself, he was God's choice for me. And and I know that for a, a number of reasons. So I'm just grateful today. So on this MLK day, um, when we talk about unity and coming together and diversity, I definitely feel like my family represents that at this point. And I just want to say I'm just grateful to God for everything he is. Um, he's blessed us with. And even though our country has so far to go, I'm grateful that we are at a place where I can peaceably live in my, you know, in my relationship. And my children can still be in a place, even though they have experienced racism. My 10 year old has, my seven year old has, um, if my four year old had, she's so vocal, she would have been told me. So I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure she hasn't in her life yet, but, um, we can still peaceably live, right? I'm not afraid somebody's going to throw a brick through my window and, you know, write racial slurs on my house or all the things that maybe I would have experienced decades ago so i'm i'm grateful so i hope you've enjoyed this podcast and if you'd like to hear me talk more about this type of topic please message me let me know how much of an impact this made on you and i hope on this mlk day and if not this one next year you consider doing something active outside of social media to show your support for diversity and unity in this country okay I'll see you guys on next episode. And don't forget, don't be useless. I want you to deliver on your purpose. Use your God-given gifts and build your confidence. That is what we're here for. And season two, which I'm so excited about, will start very soon. And in that, we have some new fresh topics we're going to be covering that is truly going to help you use everything you got to be everything you're supposed to be. See you next time. 